give me something that I wanted to love. And I won't quit until I get enough. Welcome to the hobby section, a show where we talk about what makes the squares who become doctors well-rounded. I'm your host, Obi Wosu. I'm an otolaryngology head and neck surgery resident in Boston, Massachusetts. To follow in the same suit as last week's episode, we'll kick this week's episode off with another made-up comment from another made-up listener. This week's fake comment comes from Xenon, girl of the 21st century. Xenon writes, the hobby section is the reason I breathe. It has become an essential part of my daily routine. I cannot get enough. Please never stop. Wow. Unbelievably intense and admittedly unsettling devotion to a four-week-old podcast. Thank you, Xenon. This week, we welcome to the show one of my many bosses, Dr. Rosh Sethi. Dr. Sethi is a head and neck surgical oncologist at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, Massachusetts, He's three times as smart as I could ever hope to be, and he's, as Michael Scott said when describing Dwight Schrute, of the highest kind, quality, and order, supreme. Dr. Sethi, welcome to the hobby section. Please don't let me down. <laughs> Thank you so much, Opie. Thanks for having me. It is my great honor. Dr. Sethi, I know what you do because we work together, but the listeners don't know, partially because they're living in a veil of ignorance. And they don't know who you are. So tell <laughs> yeah. me and the listeners what it is a head and neck surgical oncologist does. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I like to tell people I'm the doctor you don't want to meet. But um, oh. what we do is, yeah, unfortunately. But we, um, so as head and neck surgeons, it's one of the subspecialties of otolaryngology, uh, which is also known as ENT. But um, we treat cancers of the head and neck. So cancers of the tongue, cancers of the jaw, cancers that go to the neck or the back of the throat. Um, but our goal is to determine whether there's a surgical way to remove those tumors. And uh, we do that with a team of um, medical and radiation oncologists who also treat cancer. And then we come up with an individualized treatment plan for patients with these cancers um, and uh, take the cancers out. Um, but you can imagine... You know, operating in the head and neck is pretty challenging. It's a small, constrained anatomical space um, with huge implications for really making any incision or doing anything surgically, um, mostly because, for example, if you have a tongue tumor, if you take out part of the tongue, then you can't speak as well, can't articulate as well, can't necessarily eat or, uh, you know, eat or swallow as well. Um, yeah. So what we do is as is, is basic as taking out cancer, 
but it's extremely complex uh, in terms of thinking about the implications on patient care and outcomes. So right. yeah, it's a lot to do, but that's what I do. And you do it well, I must say. Thank you. That's uh, very welcome. kind of you. You're welcome. I am not being paid to say that. And <laughs> I would say it whether I was being recorded or not. In this instance, right. I'm being recorded, so I feel the utmost pressure to say it. But it is true. Um, Dr. Zethi, thanks for being on the show. Your work is complicated, and it's intense, and it's uh, incredibly significant. And I know you impact the lives of uh, many people, including the trainees and the patients you take care of. So I can only imagine that you need an outlet. You have got to have a way to keep your head level. And when I asked you to be on the show, you shared some of your hobbies with me, one of which I was surprised to hear was drawing. How did you start yeah. drawing? Well, so I'll say, um, I mean, I consider surgery an art because I think it's uh, at least what we do in head and neck surgery is, is fundamentally very artistic. Um, and so I think I was always, I always loved to draw when I was little, even if it was small doodles or, you know, random little things here and Were there. Were you a doodler? You but, were doodling um, during class? Yes, for sure. Wow. Nothing fancy, but uh, mostly patterns, I would say, because uh... I think it was still controlled enough, but it wasn't, um, you know, too out there. But yeah, definitely a doodler. So what but, degree um, did you doodle? Did uh, There were some kids in my class yeah. growing up that were doodling to their detriment. I wouldn't say that. No, you weren't doodling to your detriment. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I mean, I was definitely focused and paying attention, but, you know, it was just something to do. I see. So when things got boring and not stimulating enough for your brilliant mind, a brilliant mind, Dr. Sethi, you started <laughs> doodling. Yes, exactly. So that's how you got started drawing. Has your drawing evolved yeah. from doodling or are you still just yeah. doodling when you're yeah, in Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's so like, for example, um, I like to, uh, sometimes it's kind of random, but, um, this was maybe a couple months ago, but I painted two elephants, but it wasn't just painting. It was, um, I wanted some 3d aspect to it. So, oh. um, I was inspired by a piece I actually saw at Crate and Barrel, which was essentially these squares kind of raised textural squares on a canvas. Uh-huh. And I thought, and you know, that was, I think listed for like a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. But I thought to myself, um, I could do this. So I went to uh, Home Depot and got some drywall because that's yeah. what I figured it was and like drywall paste stuff. But um, yeah, then I just started playing around with it. So I. Uh, so did you paint the elephants, elephants or did you build the elephants? No, I built the elephants. Um, huh. They're kind of like this raised textural, textural art piece on canvas. And then I painted it after. Oh, I see, I see. So you like built elephants and then you painted on top of them. And then you took that piece back in a crate and barrel and you pretty woman them. And you were like, look. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's that's, that's part two. It's not just, um, it's, these are kind of complex pieces. I mean, that's, that's like a, yeah. Where do you feel like most of your inspiration comes from? Well, I think uh, just day-to-day stuff. Um, So part of me is like, well, you know, can I, First of all, I don't think consider myself like a, a talented artist. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> but I do. I really enjoy it. So sometimes it's just a challenge. And um, yeah. it's fun to think, you know, can I do that? Um, obviously, arts, you know, uh, it's uh, it's very individual and, and everyone sees what they want from it. But um, yeah, I guess you could say it's in the eye of the beholder, as they say. 
but um they say that yeah it, it's just they do apparently wow but that's um, a great quote <laughs> yeah. it's in the eye of the wow yeah it's like I, it's like i made that up myself but um what i like about it is um i can just sit and do something and not think about anything else yeah what do uh, you do with the elephants about medicine. oh i hung it up in my place Oh. It's it's a big canvas actually. It's oh, like, it was a, bi- uh, it was a big project. Three feet. Yes, exactly. Three feet. So by this three took many feet. many weeks. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So the the yeah. the work that you sent me a picture of, it was yes. um it was like digital art. I assumed because that was so good that that was like yeah. what you did most of. But it sounds like you're doing uh, interesting. You're doing <laughs> interesting. I guess that was a a foolish assumption. But you're doing not just digital art, even other things. No. Yes, exactly. And I would say even um, when I was little, actually. So um, we ha- we wanted to build a little temple in our garden. And when I say little, I mean little. Like and who is weird? No more than two feet tall. This is, sorry, that me and my twin brother. I often speak in the we because I have a twin brother and we've done a lot together. That's but, really um, cute, actually. Yeah. And it confuses a lot of people. But um yeah, uh, my brother and I wanted to build this temple, but it was um, it was actually mathematically quite challenging. Challenging because we wanted to build an octahedral roof. Um, that has eight sides. We had the correct, exactly. Specifying for um, my listeners, not for myself. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was it was very challenging because we had to, and this is when we were quite nerdy and really into math. Um, so it was oh, that was a then thing, and not what angles. you're into now. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm just like the farthest thing from a nerd. Yeah, cool guy, very cool guy. So you and your brother, <laughs> we, you all, yeah. are building a temple in your backyard with uh, eight-sided, yeah. again, octahedral, folks listening, uh, roof. And exactly. it's challenging. Exactly. How do you navigate? How old are you guys? I think we were like 11 or 12 at the time. Wow. But we had just learned trigonometry. So there was, at 11 there was or some 12? application. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started pretty early. Huh. Wow. But um, yeah, it was, it was really fun actually. But yeah, I guess my point being is that I, I feel like I span a whole different range of things. So there's like the building and architectural art. There's the uh, uh, like textural art or painting art. And then yeah. the digital one that I'm saying. How did the temple turn out? Oh, it turned out great. It's actually still, still. It's still standing. standing. Yeah. That's not a comment about how old I think you are. But <laughs> anything that someone built as a child, which still stands when they're an adult, that's really impressive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we, we poured like a concrete roof onto it. You which poured concrete at 12? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we mixed concrete, which was really fun. And uh, I can't <laughs> say it was the smartest decision to make a roof out of concrete, but it just felt like it was sturdy, and which it, I guess turned out exactly. to be true. Exactly. It, it is sturdy. I'm impressed. Jeez. Yeah. Who taught you guys trigonometry? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was part of our school, but, um, yeah, they, I mean, we learned calculus in, I think, grade eight. Um, no, and you did not. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, we were, we really loved math actually, both of us. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm there's a, a kind of a select group of people who, uh, I think took the more advanced math classes early on. I see what you're and saying. We were two of them. Oh, yeah, I hear you. You are a savant <laughs> of sorts. Correct. We're gifted. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. The gifted and accelerated course. I remember those <laughs> yeah. and always yeah. almost being accepted and then not. 
Yeah, well, it turns out there was a school called um, Queen Elizabeth School for the Gifted in Calgary, Alberta, which is where I grew up. Uh-huh. Uh, we were not accepted to that, just for perspective. Oh, that's actually helpful because, again, yeah. for my listeners, not myself, I think that someone in this conversation or listening to it could have begun to feel invalidated by their skills. Right, exactly. That's why I said that. Yeah, again, not <laughs> exactly. me, but just yeah. clarifying for all the people who may or may not be listening. Right. Um, so exactly. digital art is not your preferred medium. Do you have a preferred medium? I, I don't really actually. Mm. Um, to add one more piece to the mix, when I was in, um, when I was in medical school, we- um, At the ripe age of 14. Right, exactly. <laughs> Most schools have a um, a memorial or some sort of event where you honor the cadavers or, you know, the the the, the individuals who donated their body for the education of medical students Correct. through anatomical dissections. But um, uh, uh, our class wanted to do something to honor them. And this is actually the first year we had like a true memorial. But my contribution to that was an original art piece, which I drew with charcoal which was essentially two hands kind of grasped, grasped to one represent the learner and one the teacher, which in that case was the patient. That the is just the description of it is mm-hmm. simultaneously inspiring and morbid. But I think I like the way I feel thinking about it. Yeah. But um, it, that was a really fun piece too, because it was, I'd never done that before where I drew with charcoal and then used some smudging and, other such techniques to bring it to life a bit but it's actually still still uh hung up in the walls of the medical school still standing if there's one thing i want the listeners to get from this podcast episode is that dr sethi's art will never die whether it's a temple (laughs) when he's 12 or a charcoal piece to commemorate those or elephant or elephants thank you it lives on yes (laughs) um is there something that you draw that never Mm -hmm. looks right for me, it's torsos. I can draw a head oh, and a neck, and then I start to draw shoulders, and yeah. they're always too broad. I don't know where to put yeah. the person's armpit crease, and then I just yeah. scrap the whole drawing. Does that so exist for you? For me, no, it's faces, actually. I find faces really challenging. Mm. Um, but the proportions are very difficult to get right, or even mouths and teeth and noses. Yeah. Just all of it. It's very yeah. tricky. So do you usually draw people without faces? Well, I don't really draw people, I guess. So I draw other, you know, things that are more, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Objects. Yeah. No no challenge with an elephant's face. No, not at all. I mean, let's be clear. These are not like realist, you know, photorealistic um, drawings. They're more on the cartoon spectrum. Sure. But even a cartoon face would be challenging yeah that's what i'm getting <laughs> um well if it's just like two eyes and a nose that looks very basic that i could do but anything more realistic than that no i see yeah yeah i'm, I'm comforted by you sharing your limitations thanks for going there of course with me. of course <laughs> i'm human too yeah so i mean you, you said earlier you're not that talented i would mm-hmm. i would submit that Perhaps there are better artists in the world or more famous artists or successful by whatever measure. But I think the consistency with which you're creating art, I don't know. In my mind, that makes you talented in and of itself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I also, I mean, I'm not doing it for recognition in any way. Um, 
but it does give me internal um, gratification that I'm accomplishing something else outside of medicine, even if it doesn't make it to the Louvre, you know? It may. It just may. It may, except we don't know. We don't know. You have not listened to the podcast yet, but I will tell you there have been a great many number of guests who have, (laughs) by way of this podcast, become remarkably famous. Right. Well, that's why I agreed to be on the podcast. Good for you. This will turn out well. So <laughs> exactly. you draw, and I guess when you initially said this, I was really surprised to hear this was your hobby, only mm-hmm. because I, I knew you in only in professional sense. But now after you tell right. me about how much you draw and the work, not even just draw, but the art you create, now it actually makes a lot of sense. You also said you're very much into interior design. And I'd never really heard of anyone yeah. saying that was a hobby of theirs. So that was new for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I'll tell you my favorite store in the world is Restoration Harbor, which I realize makes oh, me sound somewhat elitist. It but, does. Um, Wait, it makes you sound what? Yeah. Elitist, perhaps. Yeah, that's what I thought you said, and that's why I said it does, and I'll say it again. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but I just, I think I really enjoy um, thinking about spaces and how to fill them or not fill them. And um, it's just always on my mind for some reason, like is, just thinking how to change spaces. That Okay, this is great. Because I was going to ask, do you feel like the hospital, which is where you spend a great deal of your time, mm-hmm. is your brain always ticking in there? Like, we should be moving this? Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Like, even lobby areas, I just always think, how could this be better? How do you change what is such a sterile space into something much more inviting, but also functional? So... You just told me your favorite store in the world is Restoration Hardware. I'm repeating yeah. it. One is a segue to my next question, <laughs> and two to remind the listeners just how bougie and elitist you sounded when you said it. Yes, yes, exactly. Do you go in there and just doodle with your time? Yeah, you just walk around sometimes perusing. Yeah, I do sometimes. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a weekly activity, but um, sure. a couple times a year, it's kind of fun to go in there see what they have. Now, I will say it's insanely expensive and not affordable in any way. Okay, but great question. Kinda... I'm, I appreciate you leveling. <laughs> yeah. What's the most expensive piece yeah. of furniture you own? Don't lie. Um, there is a rug that I probably spent way too much. How much is way too much? Oh, no one's listening. It's just you and me. <laughs> probably $2,000 <gasps> or more even. No, actually it was $6,000. <gasps> I take it back. Yeah, it was a bit much. There's no more air in the room. $6,000? Yeah. Walk me through this yeah. rug. Tell me about this rug. Uh-huh. How big is well, it? Um, I think it's a standard 8 by 10 feet. I didn't know that was standard, but okay. Yeah, it's a good size measurement. But um, it has this reflective ability just based on these very cool fibers. So if you look at it from different angles, it has different colors and wow. different um, – Yeah, it's just very uh, – it's a very cool rug. And I don't it, want it to be offensive, like an, but that sounds yeah. a little bit nauseating if you like just <laughs> – but it's very subtle. Pl- so okay, it's shades okay. of, yeah, it's different shades of kind of gray and cream. Got it. Got it. It's not going from yeah, like so it's pink subtle. to green to yellow. No. Yes. I should, right. I, I realized how that probably sounds. I pictured like, uh, you know, Pink Floyd-esque prism I as see. your rug on the yeah, floor. Yeah. No, definitely not. Okay. Yeah. $6,000 though. Yeah. You really love interior design. That's what that tells me. Hearing that, I'm like, this is for real, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if I wasn't a doctor, I probably would um, take up shop somewhere like designing things. Designing things in general or designing spaces for people in their homes or whatever? Um, things in spaces, probably both. Yeah. 
I might wow. even have been an architect. Uh, that's what, that, that sounds like the perfect mold, really, because you yeah. built that temple and then you years later spent yeah. six thousand dollars on a rug. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy. Give me your opinion here. Do you think about first question, I guess, aesthetics in the operating room? I mean, maybe that's a place where you're just so focused, you're not thinking like. I when you walk into an operating room, um, there's not a whole lot you can change there. Mm. And you're the other thing is when you're operating, you're right. The only thing you literally there's nothing outside of that little square space through your loops. Yeah, exactly. Um, the surgical magnifying glasses for your listeners. But Thank you. um, you're welcome. But um, the I, I guess I do think about aesthetics, like with a patient. So um, you know how their incision is closed or. Mm. When we're, you know, I think a direct comparison would be our fibula free flaps or, you know, where we take the bone from the leg and use it to reconstruct the jaw because we're literally carving something. Yeah, right. Um, and crafting something and building something. Yeah. So that's where that probably has the greatest. It's always overlap. neat, I think, to get a sense of how someone's hobbies are really mm-hmm. deeply intertwined with their work. That doesn't always happen, yes, but so. sometimes it does, and that's pretty cool. And I think it's happening or has happened yeah. for you, which is neat. Yeah. Well, I will say I deeply love what I do, and I think it's really important. Or I'm just very grateful for that yeah. because um, in many ways, work is a hobby, which I realize is not the best thing way to think about work, just for one's own sanity. But um, but it's, it is very gratifying to know. For example, I recreated someone's palate the other day. Right. Using the their scapula, their backbone. And um it was just such a gratifying experience because I built something from nothing. Yeah. And um yeah, it's exactly kind of what I've always wanted to do. At that moment, and we were in, in the backyard building a temple again. That's how you felt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's sweet. So tell me this. Um do you have a favorite room in your house? Um or are they all um, great? Like, have you just done your interior design? Well, this thing is my—I should say—it's my condo. It's my condo, but okay. um, I think maybe yeah, would... not a terribly important specification to make, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's the living room, which um, so my brother and I live together, but um, my twin brother. Oh, but um, I don't, I don't know if I knew that. From the temple well, to the house. Well, he's only here part of the time. But um got it, got but it, got we it. essentially I you know, I was in charge of like, you know, designing it after we renovated this condo we bought. But um uh his one stipulation was that he so he loves reading. Yeah. So he really just wanted books to be a main feature of the room. Right. And um we both don't really watch a lot of TV, so we decided, okay, a living room doesn't have to have uh, TV either. Love it, love it. So we got these really cool bookshelves, which are kind of the centerpiece. With of course the fancy rug, and some nice fancy sofas. rug is in the living room. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, but it's a really cool. It feels like a library. There's that many books in there. Yes, it's just covered with books. Break it down to me because I often wonder mm-hmm. this when I go into people's homes and they have a ton of books. Yeah. Have you read them all? Uh, one of us has read any one <gasps> of those books. No way. And it. I should say this took time to collect because um because that's the other thing it does i don't agree with putting books on a bookshelf just for the sake of putting them there really I, that that's crazy i mean we don't have a, a room full of books so i don't feel yeah. that bad about this but i 
basically always assumed that people put up a bunch of books and they'd probably read some of them, but like not yeah. every single one. Well, maybe they want to read the others and haven't gotten to it. That's, I think, okay. But that's but, not even um, what you're saying. You, between yeah. you and your brother, we have read at least, have read all those books. Yeah, exactly. And I should say my brother's the vast majority of them because he's just a voracious reader. But um, the other thing I really dislike kind of on the design element of things is there's this trend where people put books backwards to see the the pages what? only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the point it's of even doing that? Correct. It's, it looks cool, does but it? I think it's very disrespectful to books. I agree. It kind of does. That is rude, actually. Yeah, exactly. I try not to get too emotional on the show. You know, good yeah. or bad, but I'm getting <laughs> right. really upset. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's really, well, you know, we were, my brother and I were raised um, to always respect books and this might sound a little crazy, but for example, um, we were never allowed to ever let our feet touch a book because it was a sign of disrespect. So for some reason we accidentally touched a book with our foot. Uh, we, the, our whole family does this, but we pick up the book and give it a kiss. Wow. Because it was, yeah, it was just a sign of respect. I mean, that makes sense. And I teach my kids not to step on books. Yeah. But not to that degree, but I, I respect it. And I could imagine that if you were raised that way, that seeing a trend where people are flipping books around would just be infuriating. Very, very. And I, I recall times when we were little where people would, you know, try to mock us and drop books deliberately um, to see At what we do. At your school? Yeah. I'm starting yeah. to have second thoughts about this school. Earlier, I was going to yeah. try to send my kids there. but <laughs> Well, it is in Canada, so I don't know if you want to send them there. but I guess. Just I from know. a logistical standpoint. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. The yeah. commute could be difficult for sure. The commute could be very difficult. Yeah. Settle one last thing for me, Dr. Sethi. Yes. Neon signs. Yay? Nay? Uh -huh. Nay, for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. They're just too much. Really? You know? There's much more subtle ways, I think, and, and effective ways. I think it. I think neon's a dying, dying thing. Whoa. For like, I have yeah. got a huge neon constituent, so <laughs> I would watch it. I would watch it. Um. Exactly. Dr. Sethi, this has been great. It has been my great pleasure and honor to have you on the show to hear about how you and your brother put your trigonometry to such good use building a temple, which still stands <laughs> today, how you crafted yeah. elephants out of Home Depot drywall patches and spent yeah. $6,000 on a rug and shop at Restoration <laughs> Hardware daily. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely daily. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great to talk with you. Your hobbies are inspiring. You are a talented artist, and you'll make it to the Louvre one day, I promise. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Obi. Are you a doctor with a hobby? I hope so. If you've got a hobby that you want to talk about, I probably want to talk about it too. Shoot me an email at thehobbysection at gmail.com or tweet me at hobbysection. Tell me about your hobby in as many or as little words as you like. I'd love to have you on the show. My name is Obi Wosu. This has been the hobby section. I'll be in